experiences where you've you've read a passage in the Bible several times and then you read it again and all of a sudden something new jumps out at you that you'd never seen before. Well, I had that experience earlier this week. And it was um, kind of unusual in the fact that it revealed a certain level of detail that seems trivial, but at the same time, just still kind of odd. There's a passage in Matthew uh, 1130, if you want to look it up, but basically what it says is it tells us how Jesus likes his eggs cooked. I know, it's strange. And as it ends up, he likes his eggs over easy. Yeah, yeah. It says, in, 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 it, you have to really kind of look for it to be able to see that information in there, but it says, Jesus says himself, my yoke is easy. So, so, so that... Yeah. And, and there is at least one Bible scholar that supports that. Her name is Medea. I don't know her last name. But it, anyway. So. That was fun. That was, that was one of those jokes that was so bad you just have to laugh at it. Um, so let me ask you to do something with me today. Okay, all right. I'll keep it up front and center. How's that? Uh, okay, yeah? Yeah, but it won't stay there. That's the problem. All right. How's that? Nope. No, no, no. It's got to be down here. Okay. I'll wander around like this looking like I'm thinking. All right. Anyway, um, what we're going to talk about today is going to require a certain level of attention and buckle up and strap in, put your good teeth in because we're going to have some meat today. Uh, talk about biblical paradoxes. So we're all on the same page. What's a paradox? A paradox is two statements that are true, but they seem to contradict one another. And actually, we find many paradoxes in the Bible. I didn't get all of them here. But why does God use paradoxes in the Bible? Because it seems like it would unsettle us to a certain degree. Maybe it does. But then again, maybe we need to be unsettled. I think there's a nat human nature is that if we're just given a truth on a silver platter, that we go, oh, okay, yeah, that's nice. And we go on about our business and we never get to the point where we actually internalize it, Right? And if we never internalize it, we never actually live it out. Okay? So that's at least one reason that, that I think that God states many of these biblical truths in terms of paradoxes. 
but also I found a lot of the stuff that's in paradox form is something that's vitally important to the Christian walk. And, and I think it is just precisely because it's so important that God wants us to think about it and internalize it and live it out. So, not only that, is that when we're made to think about it, we actually see not just that primary truth that's being communicated, but there's secondary truths and even third-level truths. Naomi laughed at me for using the word tertiary there, so I won't use it. Anyway, she said only an engineer would use that word. So what are these paradoxes? Well, I don't have all of them, like I said, but let's start with Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added to you. So basically the paradox is this. Seek two things to gain everything. Seek two things to gain everything. And the paradox is the fact that you would think you would have to seek everything to get everything. But this says seek two things to get everything. Let's dive deeper into it. When we think about this, when we discover what the primary truth is, what is it? Seek God first. That is the primary truth. And I'll give you a spoiler right now. That is the primary center of what this word today is about. But there's also an important secondary truth. It only comes about by looking into the details of the verse. Notice the verbiage there. First, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It's kind of odd wording for something we're supposed to be doing. What is that? But we also have that same verbiage in Romans 1.17. Now, Romans 1.17 is basically the theme of the book of Romans. Romans 1.17 is where Paul is talking about the gospel. And it says, For in it the righteousness, again, the same verbiage, of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, that righteous shall live by faith. So the conclusion that we end up coming to is this righteousness that we're seeking God for. It's not ours. It's His. Do you enter the kingdom of God by your righteous works? You enter the kingdom of God by what our Savior did for us. It is God's righteousness from first to last. It is received by faith from first to last. We enter in by faith. But guess what? That's not where it stops. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Who's bringing it to completion? You? 
But how? How? Go back to the primary truth in 633. How? Seek Him. Seek Him. Seek Him. But almost equally important while we're thinking about this paradox and going into a deep dive is to understand that what doesn't work? Trying harder and harder doesn't work. Been there, got the t-shirt. Doesn't work. And how about this? Striving for something that's a gift. If you get a gift for Christmas or birthday or whatever, do you strive to earn it? It's antithetical to what a gift is. You don't earn a gift. You know, at this church, we, we do that thing where we, where we seek the kingdom of heaven. We, do seek, we, we seek the kingdom of God here. We want it to come in power. And, and those of us that have been around this for long enough know we don't do it ourselves. When we pray for the sick, it ain't me healing anybody. When we give a word of wisdom or, or a word of prophecy, it ain't us. So how is it we lose grasp of that when it comes to righteousness? How are we going to seek ourselves in doing harder and working harder in terms of righteousness? It didn't work. Seek Him. It is only acquired by seeking God, by continuing with Him and communing with Him through the Holy Spirit. And then, boy, this is, I'll, I'll never tell you, I can never communicate to you how much, how important this is is after you commune with Him, having expectation that He will respond and that His Word is true. That He will begin and continue the sanctification process. That $5 word sanctification of us becoming more like Jesus. That's what that is. Keep on hanging up on me. that He will respond to our consistent and persistent requests, and also that He will completely forgive us when we stumble. So rather than backing up from God when we stumble, continue to seek Him. He's the, he's the father of the prodigal son. What, what did He do? Did He say, Okay, boy, you come here and apologize. No. He girded up his garments and he ran to him and threw his arms around him. That's a description of our Father. When you stumble, seek him. So let's wrap this paradox up. Simply put, you become like 
him by seeking him. So let's go to another paradox. And I'm not going to go taking deep dives into all these. I may have a comment or two, but I think when we open up some of these paradoxes, as a child of God that can hear from God, and when you're studying and praying and all that, you know, you're, you're, you're asking Holy Spirit to come, give me enlightenment, give me ability to understand. So we're going to read some of these paradoxes and discover what Holy Spirit has to say to you about these. Okay? You are not your own. That's kind of a weird thing. You don't own yourself. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is really counterculture, isn't it? In the all about me culture, that's crept into the church, and when we have this kind of egocentric version of the gospel, God wants me to be happy. Oh, really? No, God wants you to seek Him. He wants you to be happy, but it ain't what you think. Not the things that you think that make you happy. Here's another one. This one's a popular one, and I had to cut down the number of verses just simply because there were so many of them. You must die to live. You know, the definition of die is not living. The definition of living is not dying. So this is a real paradox here. But let's look at Romans 6, 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. Okay? Let's go to another one. Colossians 3.3. 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Galatians 2.19 and 20. Anyway. For through the law I died and to the law so that I might live to God. I was supposed to put 20 on there too. Can you bring that up? If not, I can just read it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ooh, that's rich. Oof. I feel that one. Mm. Luke 9, 23, 24. And he said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 
You know, these passages are not just talking about that time where we die and are transformed and go to heaven. These passages are talking about a living death. We are alive and breathing and you're moving around, but you understand it's not my own. More on that in a moment. The last paradox we'll look at is when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 2.10 For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. This is paradoxical in itself. I am content, content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. Being content with that? Okay. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But to kind of color in the pieces for this one, let's look at Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in whatever strength you have inside of you. That ain't what it says. Be strong in the Lord and in His strength and the strength of His might. So, to access strength, we don't seek our own strength. We seek Him and His strength. So, we must seek Him. But, I hate to tell you this because you're having such a good Sunday. But we're in a war. It's nothing you can see. But we are in a war. The kingdom of God is fighting for our souls, saying, please, child, come to me. Please, child, stay near me. Please, child, seek me. And the kingdom of darkness is just putting lies in us. As a matter of fact, one of the enemies, one of the enemy's biggest weapons is lies. I mean, let's just, this is not a logic puzzle, but it just seems so reasonable to me, it's, it's logical, that our safety, our refuge is truth. God's word is truth. So what's the enemy going to attack? The truth. What's he going to use? Lies. What you're feeling about yourself right now, is that God's truth? Then what is it? Okay. So lies are his biggest weapon against. You know, I call him little s. And one of little s's most effective lies is busyness. Because you know where he applies that lie? At those times when you're supposed to be seeking him. That's where the busyness comes. 
I heard a guy say one time, and I don't know, this, this may be a little hyperbole, I don't know. He says that busyness isn't a tool of Satan, it is Satan. Busyness isn't a tool of Satan, it is Satan. And then, you know, I already told you what the little S is. You know what the big S is? Self. Unfortunately, self. Eh, We don't want to give up. We don't want to give up. We don't want to give to bow completely without qualification. There's that check inside. Oh, I can't give that. Yeah, you can. How? How? Seek Him. Seek Him. I, uh, when I was preparing for this, I stumbled across something. Yeah, stumbled, you know. Anyway, um, there was a clinical description. Uh, have you ever heard of narcissism? Okay, narcissism, so we're defining things the same way. It's not just being selfish. It's actually thinking, well, you know, the world is supposed to revolve around me. That's the narcissistic condition. But this clinician was noticing that there's depression associated with narcissism. And I tried to modify the wording to where it was more intelligible. So let me read what I came up with. Talking about narcissism, the, the emptiness of narcissism, it's an emptiness from being mainly concerned about yourself. And it is in part due to not knowing who you are. It's a lack of self-realization. It is the difference between who we are and who we think we are. It is a big disconnect between our life experience and who we are inside. It is, ultimately, the emptiness of a self-serving approach to life. That life is so empty, y'all. Serving self. Seek Him and bow completely to what He wants. You'll avoid that emptiness and the attendant depression. So how? Well, I've already told you the spoiler. How do we get on this road to victory? By seeking Him. But let me throw in a caveat with that. Let's seek Him with this attitude. John the Baptist said, y'all read it out loud. You know, if we get that right, all the rest of it's easy. If we get that right, all the rest of it will come. We seek Him because we can't even get that right without seeking Him. So, seek Him first. 
You are not your own. You must die to yourself to live. And you can only live in His strength. That's the paradoxes we've digested today. But I want to give you a little personal testimony as well. Not long ago, I was reading a Bible verse and I saw something I never saw before. This is not a joke. This is true. Jesus made that simple statement that man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So let's break that one down. So what effect does God speaking have? Life. Life. How many of God's words bring life? All of them. And man, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. From that day till now, that's been about two months, and for the rest of my life, I'm going to be praying, Father, speak to my heart. Father, speak to my heart. And in only ways I can really know, God's already honoring that request. And as a matter of fact, there is a video that we're about to play, and it actually puts music to at least some small portion of what God's brought me to in his answering my request. Let's go ahead and play it. Take it all away till all that's left is you. Turn the searchlight down from heaven. Search me, search me. I'm open, I'm open. Search me, search me. Search me, search me.
kind of sums it up, doesn't it? But it also introduces us to the last paradox. And the most important paradox of the day is if you want to be the real, authentic you, this song just explained how. Take it all the way until all this left is you. Now, how does God take it away? When we, sit, when we pray, Father, speak into my heart, he plants life, and that life grows, and it overshadows and crowds out everything else. Because the truth is, you were created in God's image. And the only way for you to be who you're supposed to be is for significant portions of who you and I have become to disappear till all that's left is Him, His image. You want to be truly you? And God is so big, God is so infinite, that he can have totally unique images of himself that are different from one another but containing his beauty and his glory and his purpose. So seek him. With all your heart, seek him. Father, we just praise you and we thank you. We thank you for your great grace and mercy towards us. We thank you, Father, that you hear our prayer and you respond to our cry. Father, I pray for each one here. Father, lay it on the burden of every heart to seek you, to seek you, and to find those treasures, Father, that you don't have hidden from us, but you have hidden for us if we would just bother to seek you. In Jesus' name.